Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. So there'll be more announcements next week with, I think, a few more leaders next week. So because we need um, more leaders, we put our hand up. So we want to... Um, we can't ask everyone else to do it if we're not going to do it, eh? So let's do it. So it's going to be good. So Hannah and Aaron are going to um, pastor our group. And that's, I mean, Jesus was, was a genius and gave gifts to the church. He gave five graces to the church, apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist. And, and, um, and we're seeing a shift in the church of seeing those utilised and not the person who oversees the church and the vision of the church and the health and direction of the church actually pastor the church. So it's exciting. We're not responsible to pastor the church. We're responsible to lead and hear the Holy Spirit and see and direct and be responsible for the health but we are responsible that it happens. So our great passion is that that everyone is encouraged, everyone is discipled, everyone is pastored, everyone is equipped with hearing the Lord, with valuing scripture, with having a passion for the lost, with seeing miracles and hearing the Lord and sharing it with others. All of those five graces, we're we're super passionate about that happening and and that's the church model, but it's also the purpose group model. So it's going to be fantastic. Is that good? So good, good to see you. Well, it's 11.12, so I hope you got a snack. <laughs> now we'll see how we go. So we go. Um, so Gary Morgan shared last year, I'm just going to get straight into it. Um, Gary Morgan shared last year, and who, who knows that if you honour a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. Yeah. What does that mean? You receive the grace that's on him to hear the Lord and then prophesy. So that there's, there's a lot more to it. We could talk about that for an hour, but we want to position ourselves, which is a, in a place of humility, that I don't have it all together, but I want to position myself to hear and receive. The kingdom is about works. <laughs> Miracle works, but also us doing something. But what I've learned is if I could sum up my growth in the kingdom, it would be two things, hard work and impartation. So effort, habits, decisions, choices, actions, positioning myself, but that can't be the only thing. It's got to be by the Spirit of God. So that's where we receive graces and impartation. Paul said in Romans 1.11, he goes, I've got to come to you so that I may impart a spiritual gift so that you would be established. There's something that Paul couldn't do in a letter. And and there's just something about positioning ourselves. So we want to be doing that in our lives and with people that get up. And it's so easy to step into familiarity. If you've known us a long time, it's easy to to step into familiarity. And we just come familiar with it and we keep things at an arm's distance instead of fresh and hungry. And the, the key there is humility. And to spend time with the Lord and ask Him, to, to keep us humble. It says, clothe yourselves with humility. So it's gleaning from the life of Jesus that he humbled himself. He became a human and even was subjected to death on a cross. And the Bible says in Philippians 2.5 that our attitudes should be the same of that as Christ Jesus. 1 John 2.6 says, if anyone claims to be in Christ, this is heavy, you must live like Jesus did. It's wild stuff, hey? But it's possible. Why is it possible? Because when he speaks, grace is with the word and it gives us the ability that we didn't have before. So that's what we're after here. 
We want to hear the words of the Lord and really lean into the grace of God and what he's on. So Gary shared and he felt that Psalm 24 was a key scripture for us. And because we value him and who he is to us, and we value the grace that's on his life, we want to lean into that and steward that, to take careful manage of it, to value it, protect it, and nurture it. Like all of us with all the scriptures that you've been given. Personal promises by God you've been given. Prophecies you've been given. So we grab those and we protect them, we nurture them, we look after them, we listen to them, we remind ourselves. Life can look wild, but we grab them and we remind ourselves. Jeremiah had lots of prophecies, but in Jerusalem, he was walking around the destruction of Jerusalem and weeping and, and not happy and saying, I want to eat gravel, I'm so depressed. But it says in Lamentations 3, 20 to 23, I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. And the Hebrew there is actually, I recall to my heart. Therefore, I have hope. It's really important. Hope's a really big deal for us. Hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is, I wonder how this is going to turn out. I hope it turns out like this. Hope is the confident, eager, joyful expectation of good that is not anchored in an outcome but rather a person. So let's look at this. Psalm 24, 1 to 10. I have no idea if it's up on the screen. It might be, it might not be. Oh, it is, wow. Excellent. Thanks, Pabs. On your Pabs. Psalm 24, 1 to 10. Let's go. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who live in it. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? Verse 4, one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to deceit. Some translations say to an idol and has not sworn deceitfully. Verse 5, he will receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Verse 6, this is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, even Jacob. Selah means pause and think about it. Let that sink in, embrace it. Then it shifts and it goes, verse 7, 8, 9, 10. Lift up your heads, you gates, and be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Verse 8, who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates, and lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of armies, the king of glory. Really good. There's a lot in this psalm that we will glean and lean into over the year and pick apart and, and see what the Lord wants to do through it in our lives. But I really felt Holy Spirit just open up verse 7, 8, 9, 10, and because it repeats itself, we can just say verse 7. And it is, lift up your heads, you gates, and be lifted up, you ancient doors, 
that the King of glory may come in. Lift up your heads, you gates, and be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. David wrote Psalm 23. That was our theme last year. And it just so happens that Gary prophesied and felt that there was an invitation of the Lord for Psalm 24 to mean something to us this year, and not just mean something to us, but transform us as we embrace it. So I just want to acknowledge the historical and biblical context of this chapter, because often, all the time, there is a historical context of when we read a scripture, then there's a theological principle in the scripture, and then Holy Spirit, it's legal for him to highlight different things that can speak something different to the historical context, but not opposing it. So it's never an anti-biblical Holy Spirit impression or uh, highlight from him. It's never going to contradict his word because he's the spirit of truth. So there may be an Old Testament theological principle and a historical context and background to a chapter and verse, and the Holy Spirit wants to look at that because the Old Testament points to Jesus and is a shadow and a type of the things to come. He'll never contradict that theological principle, but highlight something which is much more New Covenant related, where we can step into heavenly realities and New Covenant realities. Does that make sense? So from its uh, contents, it's, it's evident that this psalm is written for some kind of public occasion of great significance. Although some theologians believe it could be a prophetic psalm written for when the ark was brought into the temple that Solomon built, it's more common view that it was actually written when David brought back the ark of the covenant from Obed-Eden's house into Jerusalem. So often psalms were sung as an entrance, as a welcoming, as a here we go, let's do this. And especially verse 7, it's, it's saying, it's saying uh, lift up your heads, you gates, and be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Psalm 24-7 is rather that of entering into a city rather than a temple or a place of public worship. For the psalmist calls upon the gates to lift up their heads, an expression more suitable to a city than to the doors of a tabernacle or a temple. According to this view, no occasion seems more appropriate than that of removing the ark from the house of Obed-Edom to Jerusalem. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, that the King of glory may come in. Just finishing some summary and context. Lift up your heads, O you gates. The gates of the city or the erected place for the worship of God is supposed to have been uttered as the procession approached the city where the ark was to abide, as a summons to admit and welcome the King of Glory, to a permanent residence there. It would seem not improbable that the gates of the city originally made in the form of porticles, vertical gates, as the gates of the old castles in the feudal ages were not to open uh, side to side, but to be lifted up by weights and pulleys. 
There were some advantages to this as they could suddenly be let down on the enemy about to enter when it would be difficult to close them if they were side by side. Thus, understands the heads of the gates would be on top, perhaps ornamented in such a way that suggests the idea of a head on top of the gate. And the command was that these should be elevated to admit the ark of God to pass through. So not only should the gates be lifted up, but the heads, the structures above the gates were to be lifted. And it was more symbolic and it was a statement and a visual announcement and it was a physical act pointing to the grandeur of God in all his glory. You can pull those scriptures down. Thank you. So as we read the Old Testament scriptures, although there's a historical context and a theological principle, the Holy Spirit loves to reveal Jesus. And he loves revealing new covenant realities, ones that do not contradict what was said with what he's saying. And I feel the Holy Spirit's inviting us into, as I was pondering Psalm 24 and and, and a few verses have been highlighted, and at the moment Psalm 24-7 is highlighted. Lift up your heads, you gates, and be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. And I feel like him highlighting and revealing something special for us today in this psalm. You ready? Are you ready? Let's go. Genesis 28, 10 to 17. Too late. Then Jacob departed. Genesis 28, 10 to 17. Then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went to Haran. He came to a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set and he took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head and lay down in that place. Bold move. Verse 12. He had a dream and behold, a ladder was set on earth with its top reaching heaven and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac and the land on which you lie. I will give it to you and your descendants. Verse 14, your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Verse 15, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. Verse 16 and 17 to finish it off. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is no other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. What an amazing dream. So we've got Psalm 24, lift you heads, O you gates. Why? So the king of glory can enter in. Now we've had this dream from Jacob, which was before the psalm, but still Still important for us to glean and and look at today. Jacob said, this is the house of God, the gate of heaven. And he saw a ladder reaching from earth to heaven with angels descending and ascending on it. What an incredible picture. Let's keep moving forward. 
Isaiah 64, 1-4. Are you with me? Isaiah 64, 1-4. Isaiah praying out loud. Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. How the mountains would quake in your presence as fire causes wood to burn and water to boil. Your coming would make the nations tremble. Then your enemies would learn the reason for your fame. When you come down, when you came down long ago, you did awesome deeds beyond our highest expectations and oh, the mountains quaked. Verse 4, for since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. Okay. So Isaiah's prayer is, Isaiah 64, 1-4, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, and the mountains would tremble before you. Rend here is the Hebrew word kara, and it means to be torn, and it means to be torn to pieces, and it means to be split apart. So Isaiah is praying, would you split the heavens, would you tear them to pieces, and would you tear them apart? So we've got David's prayer of welcoming the Ark of the Covenant into the city and the presence, because it's always God's goal, always has been, to dwell with his people. Then we've got this dream that's before David's announcement and song about angels ascending and descending And him announcing that this is the house of God, this is the gate of heaven. And then we've got Isaiah in the picture that's talking about opening the heavens and tearing them apart and splitting them open. And then we have the baptism of Jesus. Are you ready? Mark 1, 9 to 11. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Remember, if you do nothing for the rest of your life, it doesn't change his love for you. This is before Jesus did any miracles and the Father stamps approval and acceptance on him. Jesus saw heaven being torn open. Mark 1.10 in the Passion Translation. The moment Jesus rose up out of the water, John saw the heavenly realm split open and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and rested upon him. John's translation says, and it remained. So John saw the heavenly realm split open. It was torn. So Hebrew is kara, and it means to be split open, to torn to to pieces. But this Greek word, which is schizo for torn, that's used in Mark chapter 1 here, also means to tear. It means to divide. It means to split And the root word actually means, of of schizo, the actual root word is schisma, and it means to tear, to split, to divide, and, and 
sorry, tear, split, and divide an object into parts, with an implication that the object is now damaged, implying discord and damage to the unity of the original, meaning that it can no longer be fixed or repaired. So the Greek word for torn open when Jesus was baptised and he saw the heavens split and burst open, that the Greek context of what John saw and declared was that the heavens have burst open and torn to such, a, such an extent that they cannot be sewn back up. It was changed and it was done. Would you like to go more? Great, Mark. Mark chapter 15, verse 37 to 39, and then I will try and leave this pulpit. I may not today. I really don't like hanging around here, but I need to, because we will not accomplish what we need to accomplish if I leave this pulpit. My hands are firmly secure. Mark 15, 37 to 39. With a loud cry, this is Jesus on the cross. Jesus breathed his last breath. The curtain of the temple was torn, schizo, was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. David, lift up your heads, O you gates, so that the king of glory can come in. Jacob's dream seeing a ladder from heaven to earth with angels ascending and descending. This is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Isaiah praying a prayer that's been in the heart cry of, of the, father, the, the forefathers of the Bible. And it's, it's, it's like we need something more than we're just living in now. God, would you rend the heavens? Would you tear them apart? And then we see the one that he was actually praying for come and be baptised and John say, the heavens have been torn open. So then Jesus started to model and live out under an open heaven because the heavens were opened. And then we see the life of Jesus over those three and a half years displaying the miracle power of God, the kindness and compassion of God, the healing of God, the words of God, the life of God, revealing a good and perfect Father. Through these three and a half years, John says that if the miracles were recorded, the books of the world would not contain them. All day, every day, crowds spread, crowds gathered. It was the kingdom on display, not just in word, but in deed. And Jesus modeled this. And then we got to the end of his life and he's on the cross and he's operating in an open heaven. But that wasn't enough because he was modeling and demonstrating something more to come. And that was you in mind. So not only was it torn open and Jesus operate under an open heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit and start to do the things that he saw his father doing and say the things that he heard his father saying, but there was more. And the Bible says that he drew his last breath and the curtain in the temple was torn, same word, torn open, the garment of the temple torn, which separated people from the presence of God. And it was torn, the implication, damaged, torn to pieces, can no longer be fixed. And we've got this theme of heaven and earth and angels descending
and the curtain was symbolic of his body. Isaiah prayed, tear the heavens and come down. The heavens were turned open. The, the curtain was torn open and the curtain was symbolic of his body. Hebrews 10, 9, uh, 10 19 to 22. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings. Amen? Come on. Jesus was the bridge between heaven and earth. It was made possible through his body. He was the conduit. He came to reveal the Father and what the Father was and is like and what the kingdom was like and what heaven was like. Genesis 28, 17, Jacob said, He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Point one, the house of God is the gate of heaven. The house of God is an open heaven where angels descend and ascend. Point three, Jesus was the initial fulfillment of Jacob's dream. John 14, John 1.14, we're teaching today. John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. New Living Translation. So the word became human and made his home among us. We're pumping through this. A lot of information. Thanks, Holy Spirit, that you guide us into all truth. So the word became human and made his home among us. The word is Jesus. The Greek word for dwell and dwelt is the word home translated here and it's actually the word tabernacle. Tabernacle is a place, it's a structure, it was a house of worship. Jesus was the house of God on the earth. He was the house of God made flesh. John 1.14, he dwelt and he tabernacled among us. He made his home among us. The house of God was not a location, a building or a location, again, but a person. Genesis 28, the ladder from heaven to earth. Isaiah rend the heavens. The baptism of Jesus, heaven torn open. The curtain was torn open that separated us from his presence. And then the Bible says that he tabernacled among us. His love for you is still the same. He's, not, he's kind and patient. And we just lean into that. Genesis 28, 12, again, he had a dream and behold, a ladder was set on earth with its top reaching heaven and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Let's look at John 1, 49 to 51. 
with Jesus being our anchor and our model for what this life is about. Are you ready? Come on. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. That's because Jesus had a word knowledge about him when he was sitting behind the fig tree. Jesus answered and said to him, because you said Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Come on. Then he said, this is a New Living Translation. Then he said, I tell you the truth, you will... You will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man and the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. The ladder went from being anchored in a place to being anchored in a person. Why? To bring heaven to earth. Jesus was the initial fulfillment of the house of God on the earth. Jesus came to the earth to be the gate of heaven. Jesus says, you will see the heavens open and the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Every time Jesus did a miracle, this was happening. Jesus was constantly modeling how heaven comes to earth. I love this scripture. It's not up there, Pabs. Matthew 12, 28. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So how does this work? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're seeing a picture, aren't we? We're seeing a pattern here. We're seeing a modelling by God, by Jesus on the earth of how it happens. Angels are involved. His Spirit is involved. It's not the, the... the, the vision of God for us to be here and beg God from up there, wherever up there is, for him to do stuff and fix stuff and be God. It can sound like a noble prayer. Well, you're this, so be that. He just didn't design it that way. We see the idea and the vision of God of how people are to live modelled perfectly in Jesus. And then consequently, the disciples followed. Jesus was the house of God. His kingdom coming. It came every time someone was released from darkness and demons left. When someone was healed, the kingdom actually came. And because there's no sickness in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven, was again stamped, this is the heart of God, the will of God. Jesus was being the gate of heaven every time he ministered, the conduit between heaven and earth. But there was a greater intended purpose and a greater fulfillment to the master plan. And it wasn't just Jesus as a manifestation of the house of God on the earth. And it wasn't just Jesus as a manifestation of the gate of heaven as a conduit. It wasn't just that. The idea is that you would actually realise that you are now the house of God. That you would actually realise and come to believe that you are the gate of heaven. You are the gate of heaven. 
You are the conduit between heaven and earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven doesn't work unless you are something. Because the whole gospel and all the epistles are pointing to the fact that you are way more powerful and have way more authority than you believe. We ask God to do something and he's like, done it. Doesn't make it easy though, does it? So it's about intimacy and identity. It's about spending time with Jesus. Just another side note. What you want to see and how you want to live, you cannot do it without spending time with Jesus. Can't. May as well give up. If you're thinking of not spending time with Jesus. Way too exhausted, way too stressful, way too depressed, way, way too anxious, way too worried. How do we think we can do this? Without spending time with the one who holds it all. Like there's people in here that are going through too much not to spend time with Jesus. To the point that like this, you cannot afford not to spend time with him. Ephesians 2.22, not sure if this made the cut. Could have been this morning. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place. For God, by the Spirit. And in Him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. So we are now the house of God. We are now the ark of the covenant, so to speak. It dwelt in a box, the presence of God. And now it dwells in us. Biblical, legal statement. You are now a dwelling place for the presence of of God, but not just a dwelling place, but a resting place. Because He's in you for you, but He's on you for others. He's in you for you, for you and Him, our up and our in, our presence and our health. But He comes upon you for others. That doesn't mean every single manifestation that we ever feel isn't for us. There can be markings and, 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 and power moments where we're just shaken and shooken by the Lord and we're marked forever. And it is linked to intimacy and identity. There's never an encounter that isn't. But we've got to, we've got to understand that it moves on from, it doesn't move on from, but it joins with that identity and it, it's, it's got to move into influence. It's got to move in the kingdom actually coming And how does that happen? You are the gate of heaven. You are the gate of heaven. Mitchie, can you jump up, mate? Please. If you know God, I'll look to you. Melody intro, play that. If you don't, cool. Let's look at Psalm 24 again. We started with it. Let's look at it different. Let's look at it different, not historical context, not for the procession that came with the ark into Jerusalem. But let's look at it a little bit different, can we? Psalm 24, in the context of you being a gate. 
Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you ancient doors. Why? So the King of glory may come in. You are a gate. You've got to lift up your head. If we don't lift up our head, then the gates cannot be lifted. If we don't lift up our heads, then the gates cannot be lifted. If we don't lift up our heads, then the King of glory cannot come in. Because it's in the lifting of our heads and understanding who we are and whose we are realises that we are a gate of heaven. We can't live knowing that everywhere we go is holy ground unless we realise who we are. We can't carry the kingdom into darkness and into situations that are contrary to heaven because that's our model. We can't do that if our heads are down, thinking we suck and we are no good and, and, and He judged us according to what we do. If our heads are constantly down, then the gates cannot be lifted and the King of glory cannot come in like the prayer that we've been praying. And I'm not talking corporate. Rarely am I talking corporate. Rarely. We get swept up in corporate. Move, move. No, no. Move in me. Do something in me. You are a gate. It's a wild statement. We're not begging God to do something. We are a gate. And we cannot welcome the King of glory into our life to, when we partner with Him, co-mission, co-partnering with Him. We, we just cannot do it unless we lift our heads. The lifting of our head is representing who you are and who you think you are how you think He sees you, your worth, what He's placed on you and in you, what He's called you to, encouraging you and championing you. If you think you're no good, the gate will stay shut. He's inviting us to lift our heads. This year, could the new normal be the of feet? Yeah, it's good. Hit the chords, yeah, it's great. Come on. Come on. Can we just put our hands out in front of us? Yeah. Psalm, I forgot where it is, maybe 3-3. Three, three. He is the lifter of our heads. <sighs> oh. <laughs> Holy Spirit. Yeah, would you just come right now? 
Yeah, invite Him. Invite Him to come. Yeah. Would you lift heads this morning? Would you lift heads this morning to see you rightly? As we behold you, we become. As we behold you, we see how you see us. It's a mirror. Yeah, it's a mirror, God. Yes, 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 yes. Whoa. Yes, sing it out. Whoa. Oh, oh. Sing it out. Come on. Whoa. Yes, yes. Lift our heads this morning. Lift our heads this morning. We give you, God. Sing it out. We give you, God, that which is weighing our heads down. We give it to you. We don't leave it at the door. It's a garbage comment. We give it to you. We give it. Whoa. We give it to you, Holy Spirit. Trauma, things that have hurt us, we give to you, God doesn't mean it gets fixed now. Wow. Doesn't mean it gets fixed now. But grace to walk it out. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, we allow you to lift our heads. You care more about the lifting of the head than you do the gate, but the gate is part of the plan. Wow. Thank you, God. I'm going to open this up because we need to get into a habit of this. But if, if you feel like there's just more stirring, just come forward. Just come forward. Again, I'm not going to hammer it, but you know. You know. Just come, bang, bang, just come, just come. Thanks, God. It's powerful, it's powerful. Just come boldly, boldly. Come right up the front. If there's a stirring, don't let it be emotional. Let Him change us this morning. Yeah, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The lifter of our heads, the lifter of our heads. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. He gives grace to the humble. He gives this more grace for humility this morning. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We worship you. We worship you. The lifter of our heads. We acknowledge you. You're the lifter of our heads. Same. Put your hand on your heart, please. Yep. 
working in me, God. Yeah, you want to work in me, God. We can't do this alone. We can't do it with him. We fill our lives with stuff that we think matters more. And I love my family, kids, responsibilities. But it's just got to get filtered through him so I can lead my family well. I'm I'm modeling to them what matters every day of my life. And we're never condemned. That's for those outside of Christ. Jesus' name, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah, tipping point. Today's a tipping point. Yeah. We can't do it without you. We can't do it without people. That's why this morning's important, purpose groups. This isn't a sales pitch to now for me to talk about purpose groups. But it's with him and with people that this kingdom gets to be modelled and displayed. Yeah. Help us, help us hand you our life. We set it on the altar, but it's a bit different to the way we thought it was going to work out. So help us, God, give you our life. Yeah, for every person up the front and in seats, get them this week. Yeah, get them. Yeah, we're just paying a big bullseye on each person. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't passed you by. He sees you and he's waiting. He's waiting. Not for you to get it all together, but to acknowledge him so that he can lift your head. Yes. Thank you, God. Oh, wow. Again, I'm just going to ask. We're going to close it out. But if you just want to come and get prayer, come forward. Prayer team's going to sort of weave in and out of people today. So why don't you just come forward? You might want to come forward when people start moving. That's cool. Cafe's open. Connect. But yeah, he's the lifter of our head. And when he lifts our head, the gates open. When the gates open, his kingdom comes. Amen. Love you guys. Peter McHugh next week. Let's do this.